You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. We were just singing about running out of that grave and from death to life. And it was an amazing week. There was a lot of decisions made, but there were five decisions from our group this week for salvation. And that was amazing to see uh, the, the change even so quickly. It's not like, you know, when you get saved, it's not something that takes a long time for you to get excited about. We were just, I was just telling a story in our kids' church up here in Kids Light, and we were talking about the, the lame man who was healed, and he went away jumping and leaping and rejoicing and telling everybody. And I said, man, isn't that how we all should be? And sometimes we forget that feeling of salvation and what God's done for us. And the good news is we had five uh, students that were uh, literally making that decision this past week. And so it was fantastic. We had a lot of other decisions that were made as well. Um, I'm going to call Brother Shane Robertson and Mahaley up here. And these are going to be our, yeah, these are going to be our first uh, testimonies of the morning. We're going to have a few more for you. And this is a cool story. Uh, You know, Brother Shane, uh, many of you are getting to know him a lot better as he's becoming a a more integral part of this ministry. And I can just say this off the top of the bat. He and all the other youth workers, we had 12 in specific that came with our group of about 70 uh, of the actual students. And these guys were heroes. I mean, Brother Shane's running kids to the ER. You know, he's, I mean, I'm not making this up. I mean, you can't, you know, we had a kid with a lung issue that we had to, and he was just like, hey, Mo, you stay with the kids. You know, me and Brent's got this thing. And so I couldn't have, honestly, I mean, obviously I couldn't have done what I, what we were able to do without guys like him and, and ladies like like all the ladies that came. It was just an amazing time. And I'm just going to give it over to them. And I'm just going to let them share a little bit about what happened in, in their life. And especially Mahaley's life uh, this particular week. Well, thank you all very much. My name is Shane Robertson. And this is Mahaley Hall. And uh, as I was driving down uh, to Teen Rev, uh, you know, um, I'm one of these guys that loves history. I love you know, looking up word meanings. And so I'm thinking to myself, teen revolution. Obviously, I know what a teen is because I have several of them that live in my house. Uh, and so uh, Savannah and Connor, uh, two of my children, and, and Mahaley, um, who uh, lives with me part-time. And um, and by the way, Mahaley's mom is here. So glad you're here, Sam. You know, uh, sometimes mom has health issues, and so we uh, let Mahaley live with us, and uh, she is a wonderful blessing, and uh, just love this family. So as I'm going down to Teen Rev, you know, I'm thinking, what does revolution mean? Uh, And so I love history, and one of the things that uh, we think about revolution is the American Revolution. You know, a revolution happened on July 4th, 1776, when a lot of men signed the Declaration of Independence. It marked a sudden change in the birth of this nation, that things were not going to be business as usual anymore. The chains of tyranny uh, with Great Britain would be uh, broken through the Revolutionary War. Uh, You think as you go through history, you have the Industrial Revolution when you have machinery starting to make things instead of just, you know, hand-woven things and the, the population increased. The general standard of of, uh, living increased in just about every facet of daily life. Everybody on the planet changed during that 80 years from the 1700s to the early 1800s. So I'm thinking to myself, teen revolution, we're going to see something change as I'm going to this conference. And so to me, three things uh, that uh, completely changed and marked a change in my life are are these things. Number one, teen revolution completely changed people. All right? Uh, For instance, my daughter Savannah, who is sitting right there, I asked her, you know, what did God do in your life? How were you impacted? And she said, Dad, I do not have to be a certain level or amount of Christian to be useful to God. God uses broken people 
God uses all people. Amen? And so my daughter Savannah, you know, uh, impacted and influenced her in a great and mighty way. But probably one of the greatest decisions is this young lady right here. I've been praying for her every day, just like I pray for my children. And God did something very special in her life. Are you, you want to tell everyone what happened? Or do you want me to tell them? Okay. Mahaley surrendered her heart and life to Jesus Christ. And that's marked an incredible, complete change. A revolution is happening in her heart now. And that is exciting. And uh, there were other decisions, and I'm sure you'll hear about those. But a second thing that happened was the Teen Revolution completely changed my perspective on this event. I was a youth pastor a long, long, long time ago in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, and I knew about teen conferences because I'd taken teens to teen conferences before. But Teen Rev is not just a conference. It's changed my uh, perspective in this, that I think it's more of a missions experience because anytime you go on a mission trip, you are traveling to another destination for, you know, evangelism, disciple making, and equipping uh, the people that are going with you and those that you're going to help. And now, let me tell you, we saw kids get saved, we saw kids grow in their relationship with Christ, we saw relationships healed, relationships mended, relationships growing. We also saw kids be equipped to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's exciting. And so if you invested in one of these students or gave to the Teen Revolution, let me tell you, it is a great missions experience. But number three, Teen Revolution completely changed my pursuits. Sometimes we get so busy trying to serve God that we forget that we are called to develop people. One of the uh, speakers was named was Kirk, and uh, he said this, my greatest purpose may not be what I do, but who I develop. And I just want to let you know, church, that you have a staff, you have people here that want to develop people. It's not about programs, it's not about budgets, it's not about buildings, it's about people. And I thank God for Brother Eric, Mo, Joe, uh, all the wonderful volunteers. You have a great staff. And I am so honored to be a part of this church. And man, I'm fired up that Mahaley is my sister in Christ now. So praise the Lord. Hey, great. Great stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Mahaley. Hey, uh, Shane mentioned Kirk. Now, Kirk was one of our preachers. He preached the first sermon. So... Let's give you a one-minute video clip of this man preaching on that very first night of Teen Rev. Remember the woman who just had a little, little flour and a little a bit to bake some cakes and some sticks, but that was enough, and God is telling you that's enough. For Moses, it was just a rod. And for you, God has given you everything you need. You say, I don't know if I can do it. I'm telling you today that if your vision for life is limited, then your view of God is lacking. Moses, you know what he said? God, you got the wrong God. You got the wrong God. God, I, 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 I can't talk. That's what Moses said. And right now, some of you are thinking, I know you're trying to hype me up, Pastor. I know you're trying to get me encouraged that I can serve God and I can be a leader and I can change the world. But you, 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 you just don't know what I can't do. Powerful. You know, when you get a room full of youth and, and you begin to worship like that and they see their peers worshiping with them and, and they experience, you know, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit, things happen. Unexpected things happen. Unplanned things happen. We pray that God will work in our church just like that. It's not a one-time thing. I mean, you're welcome if God would lead you to come to the altar at a time that is not appointed. <laughs> there is no time that's not appointed. 
you just move as the Spirit moves. And sometimes that can take place at a conference and you see that and you think, man, I want to bring some of that back home, you know. And, and that's what we're trying to do today. Brother Robert Bax from Australia is one of our dear friends. He'll be with us in October once again to preach our missions conference. His friendship to me personally has been just nearly unparalleled by any other person. And, you know, sometimes God has a sense of humor and gives your friend on another part of the planet that would just do anything to help. And so Brother Bax flew from Australia really just to preach at Teen Revolution. Here's a little snippet of the message he preached. I can see I'm dying, but I've got to reach out because I've got a generation that's dying. And if they can just get a hold of my faith in you, then maybe this generation can be healed. But this generation, with dead and can rise again. The, the, the deal of what God can do in you and the touch of God brings a resurrection to this generation. It brings a healing to this generation. And God brings a whole message across the two. What I love about God is He's a resurrection God. And that He does call us out of the grave. And we don't have to stick bound in these things. And, and I want to say to you today that God touched that former and reached into this generation. And here is the message. You are a generation of people many have written off and said you're dead. You're dying. There's no hope in this generation. They don't want God. They want nothing to do with God. They're walking away. We need to be generation. Team Red needs to say, this generation has been touched by some people who said God is real. And they're going to rise again. And they're coming out of the grave. We need to celebrate. We need to walk out of the resurrection place. And say, God, you touched us. We have touched from heaven. And God raised us up. Because we just want to come out of that grave. Because that's what you're going to do. Teen Rev, God brought me here from Australia to tell you that you're the generation that God says, like he said to that girl, Arise! Tarakakumi! Arise! You have so much that I want to do with you. Be touched by a former generation that's reached. Because many of this former generation are not reaching and they're dying. But let's get out of our grave. And let's reach up to heaven and say, God, I'm coming out of the grave. Hallelujah. That message right there uh, was, to me, my personal, I shouldn't say favorite, but I would say it definitely touched me the most. Um, he was speaking, as you could hear, uh, about the, the lady with the disease for 12 years. And how she had lived most of her life. She was probably a little bit older at this point. And Jesus was actually on his way to rise up this 12-year-old girl who was sick, Jairus' daughter. And I thought it was so powerful because me personally as a student pastor, I've tried my best to reach out to these students. And I've tried my best to, you know, it's, it's my job to reach and reach and reach and reach into these students' lives. But he put it very plain and clear. He said... You see, what ended up happening was the woman who was in that next generation, she reached out to God. And when she reached out to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment, he ended up healing her and raising her up. And at that point, Jairus' daughter had passed away. She had died. But if it weren't for her reaching out and Jesus showing the power of God in her life and Jairus' faith was strengthened, if it wasn't for her, then that 12-year-old daughter may have never got raised from the dead. And I want to challenge you, church, as you are, most of you, um, older than a teenager in this building, I would challenge you this. I, I want to challenge you to reach out to God in your own personal life. I know myself, I need to reach out to God a lot more. I, I need to be more desperate for him. I know that I have shown these students love and reached out to them, but at the end of the day, I'm not the one who needs to do the reaching. God can, is the one who actually raises these kids up and will start this next generation and get them on fire for God. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to reach out to God and show these students what, what it means to, to reach out and to love on God. I want to call up Brother Brent Leach uh, up here. And Ken, is Kenley yeah, here? Uh, wait, is Kenley here? Oh, she's up here. Okay, she's, she's up here sitting with the cool kids. All right, Kenley, you want to come up with your dad here? And uh, Brother Brent's an awesome guy. He, it's, it's interesting. Brother Shane was a youth pastor at one point, and Brother Brent was a youth pastor at one point, and they were both able to come and help us out and it's just so neat to see how God works things out. And we, you know, me and Brent and I talked with Crystal before we left, just how 
God's going to do something special this week. Like when, and we, we talked the Saturday before and just like how we were excited and we know God's going to do something special. We didn't know exactly how special because God always does things far above and beyond what we could even think, the Bible says. So it was so amazing to see what God did in, uh, in our lives, but also Kinley's life as well. So Brother Brent, take it over. So I've uh, been thinking about what I would say, and uh, the, the greatest thing of the trip is my daughter gave her life to the Lord. So I've been to conferences, I've been to youth camps, and, and honestly, I've got a high expectation of what I want to see happen with what God's going to do through kids, you know, and. And so, as we left, really didn't know what to expect. And, and I felt like God was going to stick me with a kid this week that really stretched my limits. And, uh, cause, and I was praying, honestly, I was like, dear Lord, don't let that happen this week, you know. And, uh, and so, with, with all that being said, that it typically happens. And... And so we left, and we the first night we spent the night, and we had our group of guys that we, we stayed with, and I was like, all right, this is not too bad. But I said, there's hope, because Mo said that everybody that stays together tonight probably won't be staying together for the rest of the week. I'm like, yes. So I got a chance. I got a chance here. Uh, when we got to the resort, it was the same four. And so, uh, but... God started working, you know, we started going to the conferences, and, and Tuesday night, me and Shane, we, uh, we got the privilege of, uh, I really wanted to hear the message, God was moving, and, and we, we went to the uh, hospital with the young man, and, and as we're sitting there in the waiting room, Shane went back with him, and, and it was me and Ethan, we were chilling in the waiting room, and we were really the first ones to get there, and uh, we were sitting there, and as, as people come in, you know, this young man, probably early 20s, was fighting with his mom. And uh, it was just just an outblown, just a language fight. And, you know, we're sitting there for a second. And this old, uh, this older gentleman, you know, he comes carrying in his uh, his grandbaby. And she's not even breathing. And we're seeing this all happen. We're like, literally me and Ethan's going, what's going on, you know? And she, they take her straight back. And then, you know, um, then an older gentleman comes in. He's on his, like, a wheelchair type deal. And they come wheeling him in, and he's almost falling out of his chair. And he had had a stroke. And so, you know, as the night goes, we, we're getting ready to leave. And Shane's filing up the paperwork, and we come out. And the first thing I do, I walk out, and me and Ethan walks out. And this young gentleman's sitting at the at the front desk. And, uh, and he's got sleeveless shirts on, and he's cut himself from top to bottom, like, I mean, just knife marks all the way down his arm. This side over here, he's took his arm and stuck it to something, I mean, and burned his arm. And so he's in there, and, and I'm sitting there, and me and Ethan, I'm like, look at this. I come back to the room that night, and everybody's sitting out in the hall, and we're, you know, talking. And, and, and one of the young boys that went with us is, he struggled all week. He's struggling this night, and, and we have a pretty good, you know, come to Jesus, you know, and it's just like, bam, and and I leave him alone, and he's weeping, and don't want to have nothing to do with nobody, and I walk in there, and I hug this boy, and this boy goes to tell me that three years prior to this, he lost his dad to a drug overdose, and I start thinking, you know, as the conference goes, we're all broken. I mean, we're broken people. And how are we supposed to reach people that are really broken if we don't fix ourselves, church? And so, as we were with these youth, there's so many people broken. And we have to reach out. We have to reach to them. It don't, it don't stop at the conference. We have to come back here and we have to reach. And this is what God was speaking to me about. That I've stopped preaching. And God put me with these guys this week to realize that 
I've got to reach. I've got to be, I've got to love people. And so, guys, amazing conference, awesome. But one other thing, I want all the, everybody that went this week to, to stand for a second. Everybody, because I, I say this is, uh, don't lose your passion. I, I've already seen it when we walked in. Some of these teens are like timid. We're in church. Let me tell you something. All I can say is, hey, y'all. Huh? Hey, y'all. That was the highlight of the week, guys. It was awesome. Your preacher danced. We all danced. But more than anything, we come together as a family and loved each other, right? Thank y'all. Man, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Wow. We had a visiting preacher for the first time at Teen Rev from Los Angeles, a guy that spoke in such a way that I think he ministered to young people with theology, with deep truth in the Bible, but he was able to bring it down to a language they could understand and and connect to. His name was D.A. Horton. Here's a sermon clip of his message on Wednesday night. You don't have a hunger for God's word. Because you're feasting on the garbage of the world. You have no desire to engage in prayer or following Jesus with your whole heart. You lost your hunger because you're satisfied off the things of the world. And Jesus is saying, starve yourself from the things of the world. Develop an appetite for my word. And you will be faithful. You will be fine. You will be comforted in your moments of failure because you know that your faith in me is not a feeling, it's a fact based on what I've done for you, not what you can do for me. Wow, awesome. Well, why don't you come? Could we do this? I'd like to ask all the young people, and I know we just stood, but I want all of us that went to the conference to stand on the platform. I want Ethan to stand with Mo because he's going to share. Let's stand around Ethan. I want you to get a picture of the unity in this youth department and what God is doing and how God has brought us together to love one another and to support each one of our decisions. This is the last decision you're going to hear about publicly, but I want all of us to stand with Ethan. He's going to be a senior. We're praying he'll be one of our leaders, and we're coming around him to say we support you, we love you, and uh, we're behind you. So, all right, Mo. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, We played D.A. Horton's... um, clip right before Ethan did his test, was about to do his testimony, and when he was giving his testimony uh, on the last night, um, and we were up at about 2.30 in the morning, uh, sitting around a little fireplace that wasn't lit, and uh, we were just sitting there giving testimony. I had to stop the testimony service because we probably would have gone to like 6 a.m., and the drivers needed a little sleep, so we, uh, we stopped it, but he gave his testimony. He said it was almost like God made this night Wednesday night for me he said you know flame was able to perform who's a hip-hop artist and and then uh D.A. Horton spoke who's really good with you know inner city just kind of a multicultural type of church that he runs out in LA and and he's like it was almost like God was like Ethan this is for you and and I'm so proud of Ethan Ethan's grown up in this church ever since he was you know little I mean maybe two years old you know super super one years old okay so one year old you know and uh he's been now he's not one and uh he just shaved his beard before he looked like he was about 87. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a great kid, and this is going into his senior year, and I know that, you know, I've had many talks with Marlena, his mother, about Ethan and just trying to just pray for him and, and see what God does. And so this week was really special for him. So I just wanted to give him an opportunity to share maybe a minute and a half of, of what God did in his life as well. Yeah, uh, going into Teen Ref, I literally had... I'm be honest, I had no intention of like letting God work through me. Like I, I explained it in my testimony. Going into Teen Rev, literally, my intention every night was like, like I say, turning up with the boys. Like that's all I planned on doing. Like I was like, all right, we're gonna play Fortnite every night. We're gonna stay up super late. That's all I planned on doing, and like really had no intention of anything like God related. And that's the opposite of what happened. Like on. Monday night, like, I felt God battling. Like, I was sitting in the pews, 
and like I felt like tears about to come on, but I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna give in. Like I don't, I don't, I just don't want to do it. That's not what I'm here for. And then Tuesday night, I wasn't able to hear the message. I was at the hospital with Grant and Nation and all of them. But uh, then Wednesday night, uh, there was a flame concert, and I was just like going absolutely crazy, like dripping sweat. I was going like insane. And then uh, DA went up there, and like when I saw him like go up, I was like, he's gonna be another one. He's like. Like, I'm going to try to stay awake during the service. Like, one of the, he was wearing a Star Wars shirt, and I was like, this doesn't relate to me at all. Like, this, I was like, this man's a nerd. Like, I'm not about to be interested at all. And he said, like, one word, and I was just like, hold up. Like, he sounded like me. Like, like, what is going on right now? And then he just started talking, and I was like, it was crazy how, like, relatable he was. And, like, I could feel, like, every word he was saying, I related to it so well. And so he went on. It's actually scary how, like, everything he was saying related to my life. Like, it was unbelievable how it related to me. And so um, the invitation came, and I was, like, I couldn't wait. I had to go to the altar. And I, while I was going up there, on the way up there, I was like, I just need someone to pray with me. I can't do this on my own. Like, I need someone to pray with me. That way I'll let it all out. And I go up there, and I kneel down instantly start crying within two seconds of me being at the altar, I feel a hand on my back. And I was just like, this is what I wanted. I didn't look back to see who it was, but I just felt a hand on my back and I was like, this is great. And then Mo came over there and started praying and we stood up and I look over to see who it was and it was Logan Fry. And it's just, that meant so much because Logan's been my boy. Like me and Logan have spent so much time together playing basketball, doing all this stuff. So to see like my boy up there with me, it just, meant so much and we're both crying like non-stop crying it was unbelievable and uh this week got really like worked in me because when right when I ended my junior year I started getting nervous like I'm about to be a senior this is my last chance I gotta be a leader I started like panicking like uh how am I gonna do this how am I gonna do this Bernard I'm not gonna do it God's gonna do it and I like it finally hit me I couldn't do this on my own and once, once I realized, like, I had to do it through God, it just, it really, like, it really put me where I need to be. And honestly, like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for so many people nonstop sharing their love toward me. Like, it's, it's insane. I can't even begin to, like, talk about how much love Mo has given me. It's just, I've known Mo my whole life, and it's just, like, the definition of Christ's love is right here. Like, the whole Capace family, I can start naming so many people that, made an impact in my life, like the whole Leach family, like I hadn't even known them that well, and then this week I really met them, it's just, y'all y'all impacted me more than you'll ever know, um, I gave it in my testimony, like when I saw Kinley running around, it like, I don't know what it was about it, but like just seeing how like energetic and like how happy he was, but like yeah, such a good person, like for the Lord, it really like hit me like, this is the kind of people going to be looking up to me, like this is the kind of people I need to lead, and I can't, I can't waste this opportunity. I got one year left. I had two brothers graduate before me, both doing great for the Lord. Like, y'all, I know y'all know them. They're both doing great, and it's just like, and when Mo was praying with me, he was saying, help Ethan to realize uh, he doesn't have to be Darian. He doesn't have to be Isaiah. He can be Ethan, and that really hit me because I was, like, nervous, like, I was kind of nervous, like, I got these big shoes to fill. How am I going to do it? Like, two perfect role models graduate in front of me. It's like, wow, like, I really got to be like them. And that's not true. I don't have to be like them. I'm me. They're them. We're different people. And it just, like I said, though, once I saw Kenley and just all the other kids, it's just like, I got to be a leader. This is my one chance. I got one shot at this. And I don't know who picked the theme Reach, but it was just the perfect theme name for me personally going into my senior year because that's what I have to do. I have to reach. I have to reach the young ones. I have to reach everyone around me. And I can honestly say this was the best week of my life and God really made an impact. I, I want to put a verse on the screen right now. This was the verse that when we when we came up with this theme, and, and we meet quite a bit throughout the year, and just discuss things, and one of the things that we discussed was the theme, and, and the theme being reach, and how 
can we put that in a biblical context. It's not really found. The word reach is not found too often in Scripture. There's a lot of words like reach, but here is where we took the theme from. On the screen, you see a verse. It's Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you. Make it personal. If God were to come to you this morning and say, I'm going to make you something, what would you ask him to make you? Well, if you asked him to make you this, it would be exactly what God said in his word. Make you a light for the nations. That my salvation, that redemption, that being born again, that salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It's interesting, that word reach. It literally means to stretch out or to extend. It's the definition of the word. To stretch. If I'm reaching for something, I'm I'm stretching out. I'm extending my arm. I'm reaching to someone who is in desperate need of something. Maybe Maybe this morning we can just say desperate need of, of salvation. It's amazing, but oftentimes, kind of this is the way we say it, don't we? Hey, uh, who actually reached you with the gospel? We use that terminology. We'll say that. That, that word reach will, will oftentimes come in a question about how you were saved. Who, who reached you? Jeremy Panero's entire ministry that we support in Vanuatu is called Reach Vanuatu. Way before we came up with the theme, he had already named that ministry. We didn't know it. But when God brought us together, we said, reach, reach. I want to give you just a few thoughts about reaching based on the context of this thought that that I am going to make you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the world. Number one, we've got to do this. If this is going to happen, church, we've got to, number one, reach up in prayer. Before anyone else can be reached, you and I must reach up to God and have a prayer list that we've developing with names on it. People we are crying out to God for. People we're asking, maybe one person that we are personally burdened for to the point that we would actually ask God to save them. What about this? Father, give me the opportunity to reach them. Every day of my life, I pray a prayer like this. Lord, help me to walk the paths that you would walk and help the people that you would help if you were here in my shoes. Every day I pray that. And when I get up in the mornings, if I'm in tune with God and focused on God like I should be, that prayer becomes a part of my life. And so when Jeremy and I were in the bus that broke down... (laughs) You'd figure, right? And so I'm driving this bus, and man, it just goes dead. And the alternator we found out had went out, and the belt broke, and all this happened. And we had to get the kids to, to a safe place. And it was a lot of confusion, and not in a bad way, just it was a lot of things we had to work out to get all these kids in the largest vehicle to the next exit. And then we had to start going to work to figure ideas out. And, and honestly, at this point, you're, you're just, you don't know anybody in Lebanon, Tennessee. It's an hour away from Nashville. There's nothing even close. And so you're, you know, you're really needing the Holy Spirit of God to grant you leadership and wisdom and direction. So we just started getting on Google and finding out nearest record service. God, I, I called this U-Haul place randomly. I said, hey, uh, do you know of anybody that could... That could come get our, our, our bus. He said, oh yeah, there's one guy, he's 20 minutes away. His name's Ed. He's a great guy. He'll do you right. So I called Ed. Ed said, I'll be there in a few minutes. It took a little bit longer than a few minutes, but obviously there's a lot of traffic. A car had blown up on the other side of the highway. And so, you know, he finally makes it to us. Ed's a little cold at first, maybe a little grouchy at first, but man, Ed, God put him in our path. Help me to walk the path that you would walk and help the people that you would help if you were here in my shoes. And so this is Ed. Ed's wa- I'm walking the path. Ed's in my path. I've already prayed this. My job is to, is, to, is to witness to Ed. We began to witness to Ed. Found out Ed had become a Christian years ago. And uh, he was a little angry about a few things. But w- after Jeremy and I just had some time to pour into him and love him. And, and man, we became, I'll end with this, such good friends that when we left his garage four to five hours later, he wept. Literally wept tears as he waved goodbye to a missionary and to a pastor. And then along the way, we, got, we had to get an Uber drive. We, we found out something else about, uh, about the, uh, you know, this is interesting. We ate at Chick-fil-A, right? Okay, Chick-fil-A, we're tired. We're wanting to go to sleep. We found out, you don't sleep in Chick-fil-A. 
Chick-fil-A is an establishment that does not allow people to put their heads on tables. So you look across the street and you see McDonald's. So Jeremy and I are like, they let you sleep in McDonald's. I mean, seriously, true story. So uh, just a different clientele. So we walk across the street to McDonald's. Totally different group of people. Woman ordering a hamburger in a total bikini. I mean, literally a bikini. And I mean, everybody's just nice to her. We're nice to her. Everybody's nice. You go and... Chick-fil-A with a bikini, you, you're probably not going to feel too comfortable. I don't know what it is. I love Chick-fil-A, but McDonald's is kind of more my DNA as far as people are concerned. So I'm in McDonald's. I, Jeremy and I take a full-on nap. I mean, we are both out at the table grasping a hold of our wallets because we know we can get mugged easy. I mean, we're gone. No, I'm seriously, man. We're out. We're trying to get some sleep because we didn't get much sleep the night before. We're going to get home. We got home at about 2, 2.30 in the morning. So uh, we wake up and here's a homeless guy. We wake up. I lift my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of getting my bearings. He's still gone. He never knew the homeless guy was there. I couldn't wake him up. And God put him there, and we began to talk and witness and share. I could go on and on about that one event that happened in that trip that gave Jer- What about the guy in the Uber? We call the Uber. This guy is a 15-year veteran missionary to a country out of International Missions Board. And you could tell he was just lonely and missing the ministry and discouraged. And God... Here's my point. Church, that's not just, well, that's just an Erica Pacey story. No, it's not. It's all of us. All of us need to reach up to God in prayer and say, God, who would you have me to reach? And then let God put the people in your life. I've often said there is absolutely no way you can live from Sunday to Sunday and not invite 10 to 20 people to church if you're alert, alive, awake, and enthusiastic. It ain't happening. If you can say, since last Sunday and this Sunday, I haven't talked to one person about church, then... I'm telling you, there is no prayer to God for evangelism. You're not asking God, help me to reach someone because he's putting people in your path unless you're staying in one room in a rocking chair from Sunday to Sunday. So this is something we need to do. Number two, reach within yourself in preparation. You see, you can pray, but if you're not prepared, it's interesting. You've got to have your game face on. Yeah, you ever had one of those moments where it's just like you're kind of slack and, and you don't feel real good about things and you're tired and you know you just have to have a moment. I do that every Sunday morning before I come in here. I have a moment. It's a moment. You can call it what you will. It's turn the light on. It, it doesn't matter what's that. When I walk out of my office, I know it's game face time. I, I, I'm not going to get in the pulpit and complain and be depressed and be down. I'm not going to not shake hands with people. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, inclusive. I want to reach out because I know that this is Sunday. It's God's day. This is the Lord's day. And I don't want to be someone who is not prepared to reach someone in this auditorium. And so I ask God, help me to reach within myself because I know. Let me ask you this. What motivates you? What moves you? Are you ready if God puts somebody in your path? Yesterday, Laney and I went to return the Hertz Penske truck that we had rented to take all the stuff up there. And so Laney wanted to go with Papa. So Laney loads up. She knows we're going to the gas station. Every time we go to the gas station means candy. And so she knows that. If I say the words gas station, I got Papa. I got Papa. She could care less about gas. You know, she wants candy. So we, 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 we load up, you know, we, we, we pull in and get, I got to go inside and pay for the gas. And we go in and, and, and she goes straight to the little section. And thankfully, she just picked out a little old 10 cent deal. You know, it's amazing. I mean, all this candy, you know, probably would have bought her anything she wanted. But she just said, thank God, she just picked the little ring candy, you know. And we went up to the counter. And there was a little girl, and she was with the person working there. Obviously, this person brought their kid to the job and probably couldn't find a babysitter. I'm putting all this together, and I'm, I'm getting my gas paid for. And the little girl looks at me, and she's, you could just tell I'm holding Laney, and Laney's got this piece of candy. And I could just tell she wanted a piece of candy. It was as if God said, buy her, buy her something. So I reached across and said, sweetheart, you want to get something? On me, and her mother kind of looked and said, what's happening right now? This is weird. Now, let me tell you what's happening. I'm a Christian And I need to love people and be conscious that God's going to put me in situations that if I've got my game face on, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I paid for my gas. It was $2 left that she was, I said, just give it to your little daughter. And you know, I tell you that not because I'm anybody special. Honestly, I'm not. I'm telling you that to say that in the last 24 hours, God's changed my life since Team Revolution. I'm Brent Leach. I'm the guy that needs 
to reach people. I'm, I've gotten cold. I've gotten callous, Brent. I'm like you. I'm with you, man. I wasn't sitting up there saying, yeah, boy, I tell you what, he bless his heart. He needs to get right with God. I'm thinking, no, I need to get right with God. No, I'm, thank you for sharing that. He wasn't showing weakness. He was showing strength by admitting, hey, I need to do more reaching. And I started Saturday with Laney. Number three. Number one, I said reach up to God in prayer. Reach in in preparation. Reach out to all people. To all people. You know, Romans 2.11 says God shows no partiality. That's everybody. You know, we talk about... In a fun way, Brent talked about, you know, hey, some, some kids can be more challenging than others. Amen? But that's the beauty of youth. That's the beauty. There's a maturing process. Usually your junior hires, are gonna, that bus is going to be a little more wild than the juniors and seniors, right? I mean, what would you think if you walked into a junior high bus and they were already acting like juniors and seniors? I'd be like, what? These guys are a little weird. Junior hires act like junior hires. They're a little more wild. They got a little more, you know, it's okay. God shows no partiality. God, God loves everybody. God wants everybody to be saved. We need to reach all people. So I'm going to give you three people we need to reach. Number one, family. Did you see how family was reached this week? Was that cool? Brother Robertson talked about Miss Samantha that's here today, whose daughter got saved. Amen. And then Brent talked about his daughter who got saved this week. Isn't that great? People reaching their family. Is, it, is there anybody on planet earth, moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas, that you would rather see saved than your own household? I mean, let me say it in a crude way, and I don't mean it this way, but has anybody ever felt this way? You know, the whole world could go to hell. I just want my kids to get saved. You know, now that's crude. I don't mean it that way. I obviously don't believe that. But I'm saying there is no one I want saved more than those that live within my household. I mean, I, I want my family to be saved. Number two, I wrote this down. Friends. Friends need to be saved. I want to illustrate this by asking Brady and Danny to join me on the platform. It's a good illustration. So Brady invites Danny, who lives in his neighborhood. So, so Danny starts coming to Wednesday night madhouse. Okay, this is Brady, and this is Danny. Stand over here, I'll stand in the middle of you guys because I meant you look good. You have hair and I don't. So Brady invites Danny. So, so what happens is this guy reaches out to this guy. And he comes to Madhouse. Thanks, man. And so Danny hears about Teen Revolution and wants to go. But it, it's, it's tough. Money's tough when, when two years ago your, your mom dies of a drug overdose. My dad, my dad passed away. Dad, what about your mom? My mom passed away of cancer four years ago. Mom passed away of cancer four years ago. Dad died. Car accident. How many Two years ago. So you got no, no parents. They're both gone. And you're living with your brother. It's okay, you know. It's tough. Not the way it's supposed to be. So you got to reach out, right? So he reaches out. So he gets a job. Neva Swan. Neva, come up here. Would you do that just for a second? Neva's one of the few people I would even ask to come up because I know she loves her preacher. She would... She would so, Neva, you say, wait a minute. Neva's not a teenager. I know. Can't people in their 70s and 80s still have a burden for youth? Can we, is it okay if we care enough? So, Neva, I think what you did was you gave him some work. And he earned, was it $80? $50. So, he earned some money, right? And so, so this is Neva's grandson. So, Neva and Neva's grandson now are reaching out. Both of them are reaching out. One in the neighborhood, one with some, with some money. And then Neva gets a burden and says, you know, man, I can't afford the whole thing. So she brings it up to the truth seekers class. Scott Mercer is teaching that class. And she says, look, would you help? And I may not be telling it exactly right, but I'm close. And truth seekers class, am I close so far? Truth seekers take up an offering and give the remainder of what Danny needs to go to Teen Revolution. So Danny goes to Teen. Oh, it gets better. So Danny goes to Teen Revolution, and on the first night, Kirk Kirkland's preaching. First night. And Danny comes down with Brady. And I come down, and I meet them, and I see what's happening here. And I don't know Danny at all, because Danny doesn't, isn't really coming on Sunday mornings all that often. I think a few times maybe, but mainly on Wednesday nights, which is cool. And so I, I come down, and I said, what's going on? And, and, and Brady says, 
you know, I think he wants to be saved. So I take Danny and we go over to the side and Danny just pours his heart out, literally. Literally pours his heart out. Not generic, not, you know, it was so raw as I was praying with a young man who lost both his parents. And he just says, I need something. I'm struggling. It's hard. I can't do this anymore. And Danny trusts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Thank you. You can be, you, y'all can go down. Yeah. Love you, Danny. Love you, buddy. Let me give you a hug, Neva. Love you. Okay. Love you, too. Love you, too. Okay. Isn't that great? So here's family, friends, and then thirdly, let's reach, let's reach the foster children. Let's reach those, and that's Mahaley. Mahaley was adopted into a family. She was out there needing somebody to reach out to her and say, hey, you can come stay with us. And staying with us turned into adoption. And then the Robertsons come alongside Samantha and say, look, we know you're having some health issues. We're, you know, could we help? And so now you've got a church family and you've got a, a family that, that may not be in church. But, but that's okay because they're working together. Because Mahaley matters. Mahaley matters. She needed somebody to say, you can stay with us. You, you, this is not right. You don't need to be sleeping on DHS couches. You don't need to be out there going. Da, 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 da. No, no, you need stability. And who would have thought that God would this week give us family, friends, and foster kids saved in one church? By reaching out, because God shows no partiality. And then number four, and I'm done. Reach up to God in prayer. Reach within yourself in preparation. Reach out to all people. And finally, reach across racial, social, and economic barriers. Listen. This will never be a church considered elitist. We're not interested. This, that's not us. Years ago, I knocked on the door and the lady asked me if we had a Dillard's section. I'm not kidding. I was kind of shocked. I was like, excuse me? Uh, do y'all have like this place where the people that shop at Dillard's sit? I said, no, but we have a thrift store section. <laughs> I said, I think the Walmart section is probably the largest. <laughs> I was shocked that these things exist. That, the, that, that churches are social clubs? Are you serious? Where we get together and we're not comfortable with whoever comes to the building. That for some reason somebody could actually walk into our doors and it would bother us. Is that, that's insane to me. I don't even, that's not Christian. I don't get that. That the color of your skin means something. No, it doesn't mean a thing. God doesn't see that. God sees a soul for whom he created and loves and died for. That, 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 that how much money you have actually factors into how popular you are with the preacher. Really? I mean, I'm all good with, 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 with somebody that gives a large gift, but, but please don't think that, that earns you any more right to be special than somebody, than the widow's might. I mean, this is not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. We're all in this thing together. I, I, I can't imagine that, that, that we would be concerned about those things ever at Gospel Light because we're trying to reach the world. And you can't reach the world. You can't have this attitude that says, we're going to reach across all these lines and all these divides and all these barriers and all these walls. We're tearing them all down because we've got a city that needs Jesus and this church needs to look like heaven. It needs to look like heaven. It needs everybody here. Some folks may have a little extra money. You might walk out to a car that you just bought and it's a BMW and that's awesome. I like, that's great. I love, that's fan. I'm so happy. But you may walk out to one that you had to jumpstart this morning. You could care less. You got here, praise God. And maybe you rode a bus because you, you don't even have a car. Maybe you walked. It doesn't matter. We're not concerned about what you walked out to and get in out there. We're concerned that you're in here. That you're in here. So we've got to reach across those lines. May gospel like, if I kick the bucket tomorrow, get some dude that feels this way. You can get him exactly the opposite of me, but he better feel this way. If it didn't feel this way, something's not, something's wrong. We've got to reach across. Reach. When the dust is settled, when it's all over, when it's all said and done, and we stand before God, it's going to be who have you helped reach with the gospel? Honestly, that's all that's going to matter. That's 
10. Who have you helped reach with the gospel? Jeremy is going to close us today. It's 12.08. We've got five minutes. Grab a mic there. I want Jeremy to share a testimony. And I want Jeremy to give the final. He was our final closing preacher. And I asked him to give the final closing illustration before we're dismissed. Been an incredible opportunity to come here to America. Um, bit of a missions trip for me. A bit of a different environment. A bit of a different jungle. Uh, completely outside of my sp- sphere of uh, a sort of reach. Uh, but you know what? God's doing exactly the same thing here in America as He is in the deepest, darkest jungles in Vanuatu. I remember once, uh, and we, we, you know, you get a lot of experiences of near-death experiences um, in some of the places that we're in becomes one of the things that you sort of get used to. Uh, you get used to almost getting to heaven. And I remember once, uh, once we were, someone asked me, well, what does it feel like? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, heaven's good, right? So it shouldn't feel too scary. Uh, but uh, I was hiking behind a young man and he slid down the hill, took me out. We both slid down, I don't know, close to, a, to 100 feet or so. And uh, it was slippery. It was muddy. It was ankle deep mud. And we ended up just stopping right near the edge of, you know, where there was a drop-off, and I was holding on to some little vine or some little tree of some sort, and we just kind of sat there and I told him, I said, don't move, don't move, just just sit there, don't move. I said, eventually the rest of the guys are going to hike up the trail, they'll throw something to us and we'll get out of this situation. We just kind of sat there, which what felt like an eternity, and eventually the rest of the guys came up and they threw some vines down to us, and, and they reached out to us, and uh, we reached up and grabbed that, and they, they pulled us out of there, and then we sort of all laughed about it. And uh, you know what? That night, that young man that, that slid down and, and took me out, I didn't know this, but, but he had never gotten saved. And we were on an outreach. I mean, we were, we were reaching out. We were busy reaching out to some people that were further into the jungle. He turned around, and he sort of came forward during the invitation. And I looked at him and said, I said you must be confused. This wasn't... Uh, this is a salvation message. Why are you coming forward? And he said, missionary, he said, he said I've, I've never made that decision personally. But we almost died today. I mean, we almost went off the side of the cliff. And, and if you hadn't been behind me, if you hadn't been hiking right behind me, I would have gone right off that cliff. And I don't know where I would be tonight. And I looked at him and, you know, we sort of had tears, both of us, and I, I prayed with him. Um, he ended up becoming one of my best friends um, in Vanuatu. He's a, a local guy. He's now in my church with his wife and a few children. And every now and then we look at each other and we say, hey, you remember that story? We just kind of nod and say, yeah. That story where you almost went to hell. I almost went to heaven. So that would have been a good, good ending, but, but not so much for you. <laughs> you know what? This week was all about reaching. You don't realize this, but uh, your church reached out to us in Vanuatu. Uh, when, uh, when my pastor contacted me and said, you remember that crazy guy, Capace? I said, yeah, I do. I do. I remember him coming to our church when I was in Bible school. So he, they want to come to Vanuatu. I said, what? You know, because us Aussies, we see Americans, we think pretty big shots. And he was big church and big speaker. And I thought, What's it, what are we going to do with these guys in Vanuatu? He came to Vanuatu, and I was impressed by your pastor who was just willing to hit the trail. We almost carked it halfway up the side of a mountain. I was fanning him. I thought he was going to faint. I mean, he was, there was beads of sweats everywhere, and, and uh, we made it to a village, and it was really just a hike. Like, there was no real purpose to get to. It was about, you know, these guys experiencing hike. That's what I thought. We made it to the village, and there was a chief and a training pastor who had just started up a church on the other side of the river facing a lot of opposition. They were almost at the end of their rope. They were almost almost going to just throw in the towel. And uh, we prayed for them. I didn't know this. We prayed for them. And when we left that village, it took us about two hours to hike there and two hours to get back. Normally it takes 45 minutes, but that's another story. God did something incredible in their hearts. They turned around and came to our youth camp uh, the following January. And uh, the, one, the one person I want, I want to sort of mention to you about reaching, this young man came along to the youth 
conference, he used to go to Sunday school and get beat every time he went home because he was going to the other church. And the pastor said, hey, you can stop coming. He said, no, no, I want to come. There's life here. I want to come. Our youth conference, his mom came along, who was the one doing the beating. She was one of the cooks that helped cook during our youth conference. God is in the business of reaching out. Not just overseas, but this week I saw God do incredible things in, in your teenagers. I was touched. I mean, I actually came along to America one week after finding out that my wife's got some form of cancer. We have no idea what's going to happen and all that. And I came along to the conference thinking, yeah, I'm going to be giving out. I'm going to be helping some people. God helped me to remind me that the miracle is in the reach. Miracles in the reach. I'm going to do something to close us out here. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. We're going to do a little bit different than what we did at youth. First of all, I want you to raise one hand up into the air because our first reach is, is to God. Our first reach is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you have a testimony of when you reached out to God and He reached down to you. And then with your other hand, I want you to put it out in front of you and reach out to the person in front of you. Reach out to the person in front of you. It's okay if, you, if it's too great a distance, just reach out into the open. God's got someone for you to reach. He's just not there yet. What we're doing right now is you're reaching out and you're touching one person. But that person is reaching out and touching somebody else, and touching somebody else, and touching somebody else. God is not asking you to reach out to some deep, dark place in the jungle. Maybe he is. God's asking you to reach out to the person that he's got the closest to you. And when we do that, this is how the work of the gospel gets accomplished. When we reach out and we think, God, my, my life is meaningless. I, I'm not doing anything. I, I haven't accomplished anything. But God's put somebody in your life that you're reaching right now. And that person will reach out to somebody else. And that person will reach out to somebody else. And maybe it'll be that, that somebody will be reaching into some deepest, darkest jungle place. You say, oh, I, I never did that. Yes, you did. You reached the people in front of you. And that's how we reach. Reach out to God, and it will increase your reach out to others. Let's close on a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for what you've done this week in our lives. I just want to thank you for this church, dear Lord, that was willing to drive 11 hours to really a, a random location, dear Lord, with young people and buses and no sleep. And people in this church are willing to, to reach into their pockets to fund such an event. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for the miracle that you accomplished in the reach. That you reached out to us, dear Lord, in love. As it were, you threw the rope to us when we were on the edge of our cliff, dear Lord. And that all we had to do was to just grab a hold of your salvation, to grab a hold of your grace, dear Lord, and you did the rest. And dear Lord, I pray that as we think about how you reached out to us, dear Lord, we might realize that you've put people in our lives just within our reach, dear Lord, that we can have an impact in. Dear Lord, maybe today we will leave this building, dear Lord, asking you, Lord, who have you placed in my life that I can reach? Dear Lord, thank you for your grace in enabling us, dear Lord, to be part of the reaching when we needed your reach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While you're standing, just for a moment, just remain standing. Jeremy, we got something for you. Jeremy, over there, there's a lot of bugs. And we understand even though you live in the jungle, you're not a cockroach kind of guy for some reason. So we, we went out as a church and we bought you the coolest, best hammock. So when you go out in the deep jungles, you don't have to sleep on the floor. Find two trees. Tie this thing together and sleep in the hammock. Stay away from those cockroaches. You give me a hand. I love you, man. Now, one more thing. I want our church to know we send him a thousand a month. That's why our missions giving is it's a, it's a little down right now, but we're hanging in there. We're going to pick it up, I pray. Summer's tough. But we send him a thousand a month. He takes that thousand and puts it into Reach Vanuatu. They're reaching how many kids every? A thousand kids. So it's a dollar a kid. We're reaching with that money. Isn't that great? Keep it up. Keep it up. I love you. All right. If you're in this building and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know you may have been touched in this service. And we're asking God 
to help you to make that step towards him this morning. That's why I'm here. Shane's here. Brent's here. Moe's here. Other elders are here. Doug's here. Tony's here. I mean, you find somebody and make sure we have the opportunity to share with you what your next step is, what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. Don't leave without knowing that. We're so grateful. This is how we close things out of the conference. We sang the first song. And we, Brother Back said, we don't serve a God that's in the grave. We serve a God of resurrection. So as they sing this song, we're dismissed. You stay and sing. You can walk out. It's about three minutes. Enjoy and celebrate with us the resurrected King that's given us life and given us meaning and given us a mission to reach out to others. Let's do it.